Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You are listening to Home. Good morning. It's just a couple of minutes after 6 o'clock. I'm Dean Sharp. I'm going to be here with you for the next couple of hours talking about things regarding your home. Taking your ordinary house and turning it into an extraordinary home. Consider this. Between every cause and every effect, there is a space. In that space is the power to choose your response. Once you understand that power, you understand it is neither causes nor effects which change you. It is your choices. Those are the words of Viktor Frankl, paraphrased by me. I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, craftsman, builder, custom home designer, and uh, we're going to spend the next couple of hours turning your ordinary house into an extraordinary home. I know there is a lot on everybody's mind this morning. It's kind of like waking up today, and what a week it has been. What a week. Uh, It's a different world out there. It certainly feels like it. Uh, So I just want to remind you here on KFI, that uh, we've got updates for you for uh, everything that's happening in regards to the coronavirus every 15 minutes. We're going to keep you up to speed on any new uh, items, especially local things taking place uh, here in Southern California that uh, you need to know about. But uh, be it local or national, uh, we will keep you up to speed. So stay tuned. Uh, But this morning, we are going to depart from that for uh, bits of time. So we can get your mind on uh, lighter things, on uh, longer-term things, because Corona is only going to be with us uh, for the time that it's with us, and then it will be back to business for all of us. And uh, your home will remain, and so will you. And we're going to get down to it. So we've got a great show for you today, and we're going to dive in. But uh, first, let's start by saying hello to everybody. Good morning, Sam. Sam's on the board. Good morning. Morgan is in for Bella today. Did we actually send Bella to Washington? I hope not. (laughs) That's where she was planning on going. She's still on the way. (laughs) Is she? Poor Bella. No, I'm just... We don't know. We don't... Where is Bella? We don't know. Yeah, we we don't know. (laughs) Bella is MIA. But uh, Morgan's in for Bella this morning. The lovely Tina is here. Oh, hello. And uh, Layla, our, when you came in, you started wiping down. We started. We were almost. We, we were, were almost late getting into the show because we were still wiping every surface down in the studio. Are you all wiped down in Safety there? Safety first. Have here. you seen how many things I have in here between the, the different wipes and th- these new um, soap towelettes you can use? I don't know. Listen, I'm not trying to get sick. Exactly. Right. I don't know Corona, and I don't want to know her. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of her. Never heard. Never of her. heard of her. <laughs> this is the world's most contagious job. You know that, right? I know. Yeah. I know. This is why we all like are carrying these these wipes. And I, and you know, coronavirus existed before. If you check the bottle of wipes, it says it kills off coronavirus. Oh my right. gosh, that's amazing. I mean, it it's does. important for people to know this is the novel. This is this is nineteen. This is COVID nineteen. There have been eighteen others. Uh, there have been. Uh, anyway, 
I don't, you know, I saw, we saw how empty uh, some of the grocery store aisles were. So I don't want to give the listeners the impression that we have uh, too many, more than our share of hand sanitizers here, because I, I don't want to run on the building. We have just <laughs> enough, just enough, just to wipe down the studio. Have you tried so. to go by, like yesterday I was on the hunt for toilet paper. I walked into a store just as they were restocking and people were just it, it was a mess yeah they were just running you know what that's part of that's kind of why i read that quote this morning you know there's causes there are effects but in between that space there are our choices and of course it's wise to have a little extra stocked up but you know the reality is that kind of we panic, shouldn't really have more than normal that though. doesn't ha- that doesn't help anybody <laughs> emptying a grocery store out does not help anyone hoarding everything to yourself this is a time when i think everybody needs to realize that is uh, what is best for you is also what is best for your neighbor yep. okay because we're all in this together obviously so you know what if you need toilet paper uh go to the store and buy a pack of toilet paper and walk away and guess what if everybody was to do that then things would just kind of function normally at the grocery stores. And the next time you need toilet paper, it'll be there sitting on the shelf, just like it always is. So food for thought, everybody. No need to overstep. No need to step beyond convention, except for what we're going to talk about this morning. See how I segued right in there into convention? Uh, We're going to call today's show, today and tomorrow. This is such a big topic for me. I'm taking two days Part one and a part two. We're calling today's show, Who Says? Who Says? Because there is uh, a lot of wisdom out there than uh, just conventional wisdom in the world. Conventional wisdom when it comes to home design and uh, home construction. I was talking to Handel about this on Wednesday. Conventional wisdom as it relates to houses is often way too much convention and not enough wisdom, okay? We get into these patterns, these ruts. We kind of, uh, people hand us standards. And I know you're not in the building trade. I know you're not a home designer. And and so the simple point is you kind of go with what you've been told. Like, uh, and we'll get into this uh, after the break, like uh, uh, how tall your countertops are. It's a standard. It's like, you don't know if they're that way. What is, is the standard the standard because... That's a code requirement, or is it just a bunch of people got together a hundred years ago and decided, well, it's going to be this. Is it arbitrary? Is it necessary? And can you change it? Well, that is what we're going to be talking about today and tomorrow. I'm going to be talking about breaking with convention in all of the best ways. And so says who? Dean is going to give us permission to break with convention in all of the best ways. Also, uh, I want to talk to you today. I know you're home, uh, and I'm here. So uh, give me a call, and let's talk about your house. We're going to go to the phones uh, at about 6.30 and find out what's on your mind regarding your home. The lines are open now, so now's your chance to jump into the queue. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call. I would love to help. Hey. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. Hang tight. We're just getting started. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. What was the name of that band? Ha! Ah! Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, at your service. You are listening to Home, where every week we help you better understand that place where you live. Hey, I know that uh, coronavirus is on your mind today. Here is why you should take the next couple of hours, relax, sip some coffee. Let's talk about your home together because not only are we going to have fun breaking with convention this morning, talking about the things that you can be doing to your home that uh, other people have said, no, you can't do that. But uh, Layla Muhammad is in the newsroom, and we're going to be updating you with any changes regarding the status 
of coronavirus. Anything you need to know about every 15 minutes, you're going to hear it here. So just stay tuned and relax and enjoy. Also, coming up at 6.30 in just a few minutes, we're going to be going to the phones uh, to find out what's on your mind regarding your home today. So whether it is a simple DIY question or a complex design issue or anything in between, give me a call. I would love to help you out. The number again, 833-2-ASK-DEAN, 833-THE-NUMERAL-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call. Uh, I will try to help you out. And we have room on the board right now. So I'm just saying, if you've called before and not been able to get through, now's your chance. Secret info. All right. Let's dive in. Conventional wisdom, like I said before the break, uh, as it relates to houses, is uh, often too much convention and not enough wisdom. People, you know the word vestigial? I actually love that word. I don't know. I, I, Everyone should find a, a, a use for vestigial once a week in their life, just to be able to say vestigial. Vestigial means something's been left over that used to be important, but ain't important anymore, but it's still there. Like your appendix, uh, as far as we know. A vestigial organ from uh, days gone by. We don't know what it used to do, uh, but uh, there it is, right? And sometimes it gives you trouble. So there is so much vestigial stuff uh, in regards to construction and home design. So many things regarding our homes that, and that's one of the reasons I'm actually not just a designer, but a a lover of architecture, but a lover of the history of architecture, because I actually want to understand how it is that we are doing things this way. And if there's an important reason, great. If not, let's change it. So let's start with the, cabinets. In fact, let's start with uh, backsplashes. That's a good one. I have a whole list here. I'm just uh, kind of closing my eyes and putting my face up. Backsplashes. There it is. Backsplashes. Now, it used to be a standard backsplash for a kitchen cabinet or a bathroom cabinet would be four inches, sometimes six inches, four to six inches. Backsplash. You got a countertop and then you get a backsplash. All right. Good. Fine, I get it. Makes sense. But here's the thing I want you to think about. Number one, there's no code for backsplashes per se. So uh, this is not being, we're not being penned in by some universal standard. It is, in fact, a convention and a wise one in many cases. I simply want you to understand this. Uh, As a designer, we often face situations where we'll come in and take a look at a kitchen and uh, somebody just has standard backsplashes, four to six inch backsplashes, and it's kind of a, (sighs) yeah, kind of a yawner. And uh, a while back, I don't know how long it's been now, maybe 20 years or so, uh, people are like, oh, no, you you should go full height backsplashes in between your countertop and your upper cabinets, which is a gap of, you know, 16 to 18 inches, depending on how high your uppers are set. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of tile back there. And so one of the things that has happened as a result of that trend, and it has been a trend, is that uh, now everybody's got big backsplashes, and sometimes they get kind of cavey and oppressive and dark and weird. So here's what I want you to understand about backsplashes. Number one, Think about the word. Backsplashes are for splash zones. Now, where is your splash zone? You have two, primarily. Number one is near the sink, behind the sink, you know, within a few inches to the left and right of the sink. That's a splash zone. Water splashing out of the sink. You're washing stuff. You get it. The other splash zone is clearly next to the cooktop. Right behind the cooktop, you got a big pasta pot, you got uh, skillets, we got uh, grease splattering. That's a splash zone. That is a great location, both of those places, for backsplashes, full height backsplashes, if you don't mind me saying so. However, the rest of your kitchen counter, if you want a full height backsplash, fine. If you have an area that just has a lot of traffic, a lot of big stuff that you keep putting on the countertop and you want to protect the drywall and you want a full backsplash there, fine. But otherwise, let's just face facts. We don't need 
a backsplash in other areas of the kitchen. What we need is a dam. A dam? What are you talking about, Dean? Well, in other words, if we're far enough away from the cooktop or from the sink, we're not necessarily making a splashy mess up onto the wall there. However, we might spill something. And if we spill a liquid uh, and it's running on the countertop, what we don't want is that liquid to run all the way to the back and actually be able to make contact with the drywall because drywall does not like getting wet and you don't like it when your drywall gets wet. So what do we need? Well, you know, how thick is that liquid spill on your countertop? You know, you know a couple of nanometers thick, a millimeter thick. In other words, what we really need at the back of a countertop in those situations is a dam, and that could be achieved with nothing more than a three-quarter inch piece of countertop material uh, sitting up at the back of the countertop in those locations. A, a slightly raised bit of countertop all the way at the back in a, a spillage zone is all that you need to keep that moisture from making direct contact with the drywall. So... Who says you need a backsplash everywhere? Not Dean. Dean says this. Backsplashes for splash zones. And if you want, you can minimize the backsplash. If you want, it's up to you. Minimize it just to a dam, just a three-quarter inch rise anywhere else. You need that because you could spill something anywhere, but it doesn't necessarily get splashy. You get it? Okay, you see? We're off to the races. Hey, coming up, uh, we're going to take a couple of calls and then dive right back into Says Who. Dean gives permission to break with convention. You are home with Dean Sharp, the house whisper. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer at your service. Hey, hope you're having a great Saturday morning. It's a rainy Saturday morning. It's a great day to just kind of stay at home, relax, chill out, recover from all the news of the week. And uh, let's just talk about your home today. And you don't have to worry about the other stuff because uh, Layla is in the newsroom. We're going to keep you updated with anything that you might need to know. But most importantly, right now, let's talk about your house. And why don't, while we're at it, talk to Lou. Lou, welcome home. Yes, hi. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. I spoke to you last week about my cabinets. And I'm listening to you again. And you were talking about backsplash. Yes, sir. And I found somebody who will refinish my cabinets. And also we're going to be putting some either granite or quartz countertop. But you mentioned that you only need the backsplash on areas by the sink and by the stove. But um, you didn't mention how to get rid of the uh, what the dam would be, what sort of tile that would be. I'm imagining it's something with a little bit of an upslope. Sometimes it, they have that on the far end of a uh, countertop. Oh, Am I got I you. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? That's a really good... I'm glad you asked the question so I can clarify for everybody. So when I say a dam, I'm not talking about some specialty, fancy cut piece of... Uh, in, in other words... It doesn't need to be sloped. What I'm really talking about is a is a miniature backsplash. Okay, I'm simply uh, my my breaking with convention here is all about the height of the backsplash, because four to six inches has been the standard forever. There's no particular reason why that is the case. It's simply a, a proportional thing uh, and a material uh, consumption thing that was decided by builders. Then. A few years ago, everybody got excited about full-height backsplashes. And granted, there's a lot of sexy things you can do with a full-height backsplash to make a uh, kitchen look fantastic. But I've also seen full-height backsplashes just be too much, too uh, you know, oppressive. 
And a lot of people these days think they have to. Like we have. In fact, I've heard it. I've walked through tile stores before and overheard conversations where somebody's like, "Well, you have to put a full backsplash in. You have to." And my point is, no, you don't. No, no, no. Sell more tile. Exactly. No, you don't. So, a full height backsplash. In other words, go one that's running as high as possible. In the splash zone, next to the sink if you need it, uh, definitely, absolutely, over by the cooktop. But everywhere else, a dam. And all I mean by a dam is that it can be way shorter. In fact, it can just be, Lou, uh, in your case, let's say you're going to put a piece of quartz in, a quartz countertop. It can just be mm. a th another piece, another strip of that quartz that's sticking up uh, three quarters of an inch, just the thickness of the quartz itself. You can use tile if you want. If you want it to be an inch and a half tall, let it be an inch and a half tall. You want it two inches, let it be two inches. Uh, but my point is, it can be as it could be less than an inch tall, and it will get its job done in those areas because the main job of a quote-unquote backsplash in those areas of the countertop is very simply to uh, keep spills on the counter from running back and having liquid uh, interact with the uh, raw drywall at the back. And so that little raised piece right there. But it doesn't have to be a funky cut. It doesn't have to be angled or sloped or anything like that. I didn't mean to give that impression. Just a shorter backsplash there. Lou, thank you for that question that helped me to uh, clarify things. Uh, let's talk to uh, Tony. Tony, welcome home. Hi. Hi, Dean. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Great, thank you. I have a 1919 Craftsman, Ooh. and I'm re repainting all let's the give bedrooms. Tony, hang on. Let's just give Tony a hand. He has, okay, I'm sorry. You have one of my fa favorite. <laughs> okay. Where, where's it at, by the way? Uh, in Uptown Whittier. There you go. Oh, I love Old Town it has, Whittier. Uh, it has a, a veranda that wraps around uh, the side. Okay. It's really beautiful. Yep, yep. All right, so my question is, um, I'm repainting the great room as well, and I'm going to paint it a gray. Now, in the in the bedroom I'm talking about, I have a chair rail, and the chair rail is like a yellowish-white color. And I'm going to use a blue carpet, medium blue carpet, and medium blue walls um, potentially on the upper part of this um, above the chair rail. So my question is, should I paint the lower part darker, I mean, a light gray, and have the upper part a medium blue, paint the whole wall blue, including the chair rail, or, or do, like I said, um, the two colors? Mm. I'm just thinking it through. Hang white, on. White hey, ceiling. Hang on. White ceiling. I'm thinking it through. Hang on. Okay. Okay, I got it. <laughs> so here's the room. So we took off took off a wall cover a wall covering on the lower portion, and it's a darker brown. Okay. Um, plaster. So here's the general rule. Here mm -hmm. it is. Here and, and because I haven't seen your place, oh my gosh, I have okay. to actually kind of go with convention here. Here is the okay. here's the conventional wisdom. Okay, is that when we've okay. got a chair rail and we're subdividing a wall, uh, a lower third mm -hmm. and upper two thirds, that will tend to do the heavier colors. You notice I'm saying heavier, uh, because okay. really. Uh, all of architecture in, in one way or another can be boiled down to a column, right? Your wall is a column. Okay. And, uh, and so the upper part, you know, the, the taller you get, the lighter things tend to get. So typically, okay. you're going to want to use a bolder, darker color below the chair rail and go lighter above the chair rail. Okay. It's kind okay. of an, it, and I'm not saying that uh, you couldn't break with convention here and uh, test it out and see if you like it. But normally, a heavy color above the chair rail, or chair rail, and a lighter color below looks a little odd. Unless, and there is this exception, okay. unless everything below the chair rail is is white, okay? Because white is one of those uh, color choices that breaks all the rules. Because white is is kind of established in our minds as well. That's a sufficient foundation for everything to build off of because it's not actually a color. Okay. So for, if from the chair rail down it's all white, nice and bright and white and solid, then uh, go with a bold color above. But if we have two different shades of color, 
the bolder one typically should be below the chair rail and you should get lighter. And by the way, that's not just random arbitrary uh, wisdom in terms of, well, that's just the way it's done. The reason uh, that's typically the case is because that's what we actually find in nature. And what I mean by that is if you walk outside and you look down, what's down on the ground, earth, browns, and uh, things like that, uh, tend to be darker than if you start to look up, the plants, the trees, the greens, they're a little lighter. And finally, we look the rest of the way up, and it's light, bright blue sky. So this idea of going from dark down below to lighter up above is actually anchored in human biology. Not that you can't break it for dramatic effect, but uh, that's where that came from. Really good question, Tony. I hope that uh, helped you out. All right. When we come back, let's break some more conventions. Let's just do it. Let's just tear them up and throw them away. You are listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Who, 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 who let the dogs out? KFI. Apparently, Layla let them out because she's in there dancing. Listen, it's either dance or cry. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to keep the energy up. There you go. That made me feel good just now. We're looking for moments to smile. <sighs> yeah, let's make some more of those. All right. Uh, hey, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer here. Welcome home uh, on this. Uh, you know, I'm going to say it's a beautiful Saturday morning because we need the rain. Right? That's a silver lining to this whole thing. It's a rainy weekend. How awesome is that? Rain, Southern California, springtime. It's not pouring outside. There are no flash flood warnings or anything like that. It's just been a consistent, gentle rain. The flowers are smiling. The bees are staying home <laughs> temporarily. The, the fire zones are drinking it up. You know what? Come on. Good stuff. All right. And also, what are we doing? We are breaking with convention. That always feels good. Uh, we're talking about uh, elements of designing of your home and elements of building your home in which uh, I feel uh, that I want to give you permission to break with convention. There are so many conventions in construction that would go unchallenged all the time. So uh, let's dive into another one. Let's see. Mm -da 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 -da. Ah! Ah, let's go outside. Let's go outside in the rain for a second. Let's talk about your swimming pool. This is a huge thing for me. Adulting a swimming pool. No, no, don't tune out. It's a family show. That's not what I mean. I don't mean, you know, make your swimming pool. And, well, I do. Make your swimming pool an adult swimming pool. What does Dean mean when he says adult swimming pool? I mean this. When we first put in pools, quite often it's to uh, satisfy the fam, the young fam, all the kids running around. We imagine all the pool parties and all of that. And the conventional wisdom of building a swimming pool is that you put the pool in and uh, you cover the entire perimeter of the pool in uh, a large uh, hardscape tarmac, as it were, right? A lot of concrete, a lot of hardscape pavement, whatever it is out there from the edge of the pool all the way in. So I run into these situations all the time because if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you will know that Dean has an issue with hardscape in Southern California. I like hardscape. It's just that we have way, way, way too much of it. And uh, there's too much of it in your front yard. There's too much of it in your backyard. And so Let's just take the idea that uh, maybe you've got a swimming pool out there and maybe the kids, you know, uh, are uh, teenagers now. And uh, well, you know what? I'm not forget about that. Forget about all of that, because I think this works for everybody. Adulting a swimming pool means utilizing the pool for what it really is aesthetically to your home and what a swimming pool actually is, is a water feature. Uh, and you're like, no, Dean, I put the swimming pool in to swim in it, not to look at it. Well, that may be why you put the pool in. But let me tell you, even if you have a family of Olympic swimmers, all six of you use the pool three or four hours a day. All right. 
that still leaves a good 18 hours in which that pool sits there unused for swimming. In other words, no matter what, no matter how often you swim, unless you own a gym and uh, you know rent out your backyard to the neighborhood, the pool sits there most of the time as something to look at, not something to swim in. You all know this. In fact, most of you are like, yeah, we never use the pool. I mean, that's the reality that we hear from so many people. So to adult a swimming pool is to acknowledge what it really is to your home, which is something to look at. And so when you adult a swimming pool, you begin to break with convention. Uh, For instance, one of my favorite ways of building pools is to minimize the amount of hardscape around a pool. I like hardscape that accesses one side of the pool, but if at all possible, not the other sides of the pool. I could absolutely recommend a pool to you that uh, has three sides uh, with planting and landscape around it and not hardscape, and then one side of access. And by the way, if you think, well, that'll never work because I've still got young kids or I've still got teenagers. No, no, no. (laughs) Hang on. What is the one thing that most parents have to yell constantly when they're having the pool party, right? Stop running around the pool. You're going to break your neck, right? Well, guess how you stop everybody from doing laps around the pool? You only put hardscape on one side so that people can't run around the pool, all right? They have heart. They got plenty of access to get into the pool from one edge, and the rest of it becomes a backdrop for what could be a beautiful water feature. When the plaster cracks and it's time to replaster the pool, consider replastering the pool in a pebble tech or in a dark bottom. Not only will it save you heating costs on the pool, but it looks more naturalistic. The thing I like most about a dark bottom pool is not the fact that it soaks in more sun and keeps the water warmer. That's just a nice byproduct. What I like about a dark bottom pool is that it uh, looks more like a pond, right? Because there are very few white bottom ponds in the world. Right now, you can go to the tropics if you're trying to create a a tropical paradise. You can have that kind of uh, you know uh, that uh, aquamarine kind of effect coming off of the bottom of the pool. But if it's a pond effect or a fountain effect, then then you go for that. Here's another thing that you can do to adult a swimming pool. Let's say you want to refab the pool. Well, pull all of the hardscape off. Pull all of the uh, coping off around the edge. Get with a pool contractor and raise the bond beam. That's the top edge of the... Raise it up 12 inches. Raise it up 18 inches. Make it a seating area, okay? An actual seat. And you know what that makes the pool look like? It doesn't stop the function of the pool at all, all right? What it does, number one, it'll keep your pool cleaner because if it's sitting up uh, 12 to 16 inches uh, from the ground surrounding it, leaves and yard clippings and all other sorts of debris uh, don't as easily blow into the pool. But what body of water, when you go out into the world, do you find uh, elevated, you know, 12 to 16 inches up uh, from the ground around it? Fountains, beautiful fountains. You see what I'm saying? So you get your head wrapped around the idea that a pool is primarily, no matter how often you swim in it, it's primarily a visual water feature for your backyard. It will, you break with that convention and it will change the way you approach the landscape and hardscape design of your rear yard. And that, my friends, that was 100% free of charge and worth the price of admission right there. All right, I've got so much more for you. So much more to come. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisper on KFI. I do love my ma and pa, but not the way that I do love you. Well, holy moly, me, oh my, you're the apple of my eye. Girl, I've never loved one like you. And man, oh man, you're my best friend. I scream into the nothingness. There ain't nothing that I need In hot and heavy pumpkin pie 
Chocolate candy, Jesus Christ Girl, nothing please me more than you Our home Let me come home Home is wherever I'm with you Our home Let me come home Home is wherever I'm with you mm-hmm. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good morning. You are listening to Home. It's just a few minutes after 7 o'clock. The sun is rising. Not that I can see it, but, you know, it's light outside. It's a cloudy, cool, rainy Southern California Saturday morning. I like these mornings. They're very mellow. It's nice. But we got plenty of energy here for you. Consider this. If you were to show up right now as the highest version of you, what would that look and feel like? How would that be different from you right now? The answer to that question is the path to follow on your journey and living in your truth. Listen to it and go for it. Now is the time. Those are the words of Stacy Nelson. I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Craftsman, builder, custom home designer, here to help you turn your ordinary house into an extraordinary home. And one of the ways that we're doing that is with a two-part show, one today, one tomorrow. So don't miss tomorrow's show, 9 to 11, in which we continue to uh, talk about breaking with conventions in your home. Says who? Dean gives us permission to break with conventions. And we're going to dive back in in just a minute. I should mention, though, a couple of things. Number one, just relax. Enjoy listening to the show. Uh, you know, the KFI Newsroom is covering every breaking story out there, all the con- uh, coronavirus stuff you need to know. Every 15 minutes, we'll update you on anything that changes. So uh, you don't need to go anywhere. Uh, and uh, in between those updates, just relax and enjoy your time with us. Also, we've got all sorts of good stuff uh, to show you on social media. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Home with Dean. We got videos on YouTube, Dean Sharp, The House Whisperer. And don't miss another episode of The House Whisperer podcast, where you can listen anytime, day or night, your own personal home improvement reference library on the iHeartRadio app or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Coming up at 7.30, we're going back to the phones. We're going to talk to you, find out what's on your mind regarding your home today. So if you've got a question for me, feel free to give me a call. 833-2-ASK-DEAN, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call. I would love to help. All right. Okay, we've been just slashing conventions here. Uh, we went outside to the pool for a while. Uh, should we stay outside or should we go? You know what? Let's go back into the kitchen for a second because the kitchen is full of convention issues. Uh, what did I want to talk about in regards to the kitchen? Ah, let's talk about countertop heights. Counter heights are a convention that has been around as long as kitchen cabinets have been around. Well, that's hundreds of years, Dean. No, it's not true, actually. Kitchen cabinets have been around since uh, the late 1920s, early 1930s, believe it or not, as a serious built-in thing. Prior to the 1920s, a typical kitchen was a room in your house, and in that room there was a sink, and there was a stove, and there was an icebox, and then the workspace typically was a table, literally the kitchen table, standing in the middle of the room. That's where eating took place quite often, but that's where prep took place, it's where the baking took place, and all of that stuff. Now, tables have had a conventional height for quite a while because the the height of tables have primarily been determined by basic human physiology. If you were to build yourself a table and didn't know anything about how tall tables should be, you could figure it out. Why? Because you actually start with building yourself a chair. And a chair starts with you putting your feet flat on the floor, bending your knees at 90 degrees, 
that's where the seat is. And uh, just FYI, for most adults, uh, chairs are essentially seat height is about 16, 17 inches off the floor. Then you got the thickness of your legs and a table sits above that, which means that the convention for most tables, the standard universally, is about 30 inches off the floor for a tabletop. Now, if you have ever spent hours working, standing up, working off of a 30-inch tall table, and you are anything you know higher than four foot six, then you know what a pain that is, literally a pain in the back, because you've got that just that slightly bent over position, and it hurts. It hurts a lot. But that's what things were forever and a day until we came into the uh, the late teens, early 20s, and the Hoosier cabinet was born. The Hoosier cabinet was this freestanding miracle cabinet uh, that had all sorts of little drawers and conventions in it, all sorts of little appliances, a place to to uh, a built-in fl- a flower sifter. And I mean, there's if you've ever seen a if you've never seen a Hoosier, you should check it out. You should look it up. Uh, because they were brilliant. The Hoosier company broke with convention and decided, you know what a good work surface is? Uh, About 36 inches. So they raised the working uh, height, uh, countertop height, from 30 to 36. That was a breakthrough. It was also a breakthrough in a time uh, over 100 years ago when people were generally shorter than people are today. Okay, so now fast forward a hundred years. Oh, by the way, Hoosier cabinets sold like eight hundred billion of them. Okay, that's an exaggeration, but Hoosiers just—I mean, they—they—they—they they, uh, they, they couldn't make them fast enough. People loved them so much. But it was only about a decade before builders started saying, "You know what? We should just build these things into the house when we build them." Why don't we? And hence, the built-in kitchen cabinet was born. And what countertop height? 36 inches. All right, so there you go. So now, here we are, 100 years later. What's the standard countertop height? Yeah, 36 inches. Now, I am setting aside for the moment any kind of ADA accessibility issues, okay? Uh, so there are codes related to that, uh, that if you want to make a fully accessible household, you may adjust countertop heights accordingly. I'm setting that aside for the moment. I'm just talking about your standard functioning kitchen. And here's the point. The point is that uh, we're all a little taller these days, and we could all use taller countertops, especially if you really seriously do work in the kitchen. There's a formula for this, and I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to do that when we come back. So hang tight. I'm going to tell you how tall your countertops should really be And uh, I think you're going to like it because you're going to get a little more storage out of your kitchen as a result as well. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. Hang tight. We are just getting started. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. I need a walk. I need a walk. I need to get out of here. Because I need to know. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer at your service. You are listening to Home, where every week we help you better understand that place where you live. Hey, coming up at 7.30, we're going to go back to the phones, find out what's going on with your home today. The lines are open now, so now's your chance to jump into the queue. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call. I will try to help. And you know what? We're limiting our calls this morning. I normally don't have to say this, but we're limiting our calls this morning to calls about your home, uh, not coronavirus calls. Uh, a few people have been uh, calling in about that as well. And uh, so all I can tell you is uh, stay tuned to KFI. We're giving updates every 15 minutes. And so uh, things, you know, as they develop uh, relative to your situation, we'll let you know. We'll keep you informed. Otherwise, relax. Enjoy some coffee, uh, settle in, and uh, enjoy the time this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, rainy spring morning today. All right? That's an order. Oh, and by the way, uh, just one one caller called in and said, you gotta, Dean's got to correct this. You know, I said that there had, that this, this was COVID-19 and there had been 18 coronaviruses before it. Now, I was just kind of uh, 
making fun of that scenario. There have not been 18 others uh, before. COVID-19 has been named 19 because, uh, I believe, because of, of 2019, the year. But there have been six others. So uh, I was not inaccurate when I said there have, other, there have been other coronaviruses. There have been four others that are totally common that most of us have had that uh, are like, uh, you know, the common cold. And then MERS and SARS, both of those uh, more serious outbreaks uh, from the past, those were both coronaviruses. And then we have this one today. So this one, I believe, is the seventh human uh, coronavirus issue. Uh, there haven't been 18. There have been six. The more you know. All right. There you go. Uh, anyway. Let's talk about breaking with convention because I love to do that. Uh, and you got to know what the conventions are to begin with. I always say that the best way to design is to learn the rules so that you know how to break them properly. And I've been talking about kitchen stuff. What did we talk about before? A kitchen count. Oh, counter heights. I promised I was going to talk to you about counter heights. All right. So here it is. Here it is. Here is how you figure out what your optimal kitchen counter height is. And then I'm going to throw even a bigger curveball at you and really get the, the gears turning. You stand erect in a comfortable, fully erect posture, shoulders back, head up, okay? Because this is the position that you basically want to spend as much time in working from as possible so that you don't strain the neck or the lower back. Stand erect. And if you need a friend to help you do this, that's fine. You bend your arms... Okay, arms at your side, you bend them, bend your elbows 90 degrees so that your hands are sticking out straight from your body. Your optimal prep counter height is four inches below your elbow bent at 90 degrees. Now, I'm 6'3". You know what that means for me? It means my optimal counter height is like 43 inches. You're like, whoa! And Tina's looking at me. She's like, please don't make the joke again. Because I said on handle earlier this week that uh, a 43-inch countertop for my height-challenged wife uh, makes it hard for her to even see over. Okay, no I was ever, exaggerating. No one ever called me I, short until I married you. I, that's true. Because you're not actually <laughs> short. You're just sort of, sort of. Uh, just, I am small compared to you, though. You are. You are. You are my giant. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry, babe. Uh, but it is true. You have trouble seeing over a 43-inch tile countertop. Anyway. Uh, so you would think, so I, but I want to dismiss that myth. You would think then that Tina would never agree to have a raised countertop in our kitchen. Here, get back on the mic. Tell them, tell them how. So what we did, we I came, we came to a compromise. And what it is is this: the uh, sink countertops, by the way, are thirty-six inch standard, right? Thirty-six inch because it's the sink. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but our island in the center of our kitchen, we didn't go all the way up to 43, but we didn't keep it at 36. We went, we're actually at 41 inches and tell everybody, now how tall are you? 5'4". Five, 5'4". Four. Five, four. Tell everybody how you feel about our island countertop. I love it. In fact, I don't even really notice that it's extra high. Um, it, but what's great about it is that people kind of walk up to it and lean on it like you're walking up to a bar. Yeah. And so it actually becomes a great conversation place too. Right. Exactly. And for me, the guy who loves to spend all those hours in the kitchen, oh my gosh, such a relief. I can stand in the kitchen just upright. I can cook. I can chop all of that. So case in point right there uh, from our own household, optimal countertype, uh, countertop height, four inches below your elbow. I don't care what the cabinet people say. Okay. And uh, mix it up. That's the thing that's really beautiful is that there's no convention uh, that uh, that holds so concrete that you can't decide to mix it up. Our perimeter counters at 36, the island is at 41, and if we baked a lot, and we don't bake a lot, I mean we bake bread, but we don't do a lot of baking, baking. If you're a baker, you may actually want to go back to the 30-inch. In other words, have a section of your counter somewhere that's 30 inches because when the table is lower the one thing that a lower table is really good for is you can lean over it with your straight arms and you can knead that dough right can kind of lean into it with the rolling pin or the kneading or whatever so bakers consider a section 30 inches everybody else you know 30 there's nothing wrong with 36 but if you really spend time in the kitchen i guarantee you you will love a higher countertop all right 
I got more. Should we go in the... Oh, we're going to go to another room when we come back. Oh, actually, when we come back, we're going to take calls. And then we're going to break some more conventions. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. You're home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You are home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. All right, we've been talking all morning about uh, breaking conventions, but I'm going to keep one convention, which is I said that uh, at 7.30-ish, we were going to go to the phones, and we're going to do it because I'm a man of my word. Uh, Let's talk to uh, Roy. Roy, welcome home. Good morning, Dean. How you doing? Good, good. All right. Uh, recently, we had a hot water break in our kitchen, and uh, the plumber had to uh, dig up uh, some uh, vintage tile on our kitchen floor to uh, get to the water pipes. And uh, is there any way uh, that we can uh, find a place that might be able to replace the uh, we need about uh, 15 tiles. Uh, five are exposed, so it, at the very least five. I was wondering if there was a way to maybe laser print them, or uh, it's a, it's an old pattern, and I'm sure it's discontinued. But are there any places that sell vintage tiles like that? Okay, so I I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of running blind here because I can't see what the vintage tiles are. What what kind of tiles are they? How vintage are they? They're ceramic tiles. They're at least 25 years old. Um, they're eight, eight by eight, uh, cream color with uh, brown uh, design on them. Um, okay, so yeah. so it's a 20. Okay, so first of all, 25 year old tile, my friend, not vintage, but I get it. It's an old tile, uh, and uh, and you don't want to end up tearing up the rest of the floor. You'd rather try and re, uh, just uh, reinstall what you've got and match what you've got after this plumbing repair. Uh, what was that? As close as we can possibly get. Okay. Well, yeah. So first of all, let me tell you this, uh, get it all the way. All right. Close. That's only for horseshoes, horseshoes and hand grenades. Like they say, right. Uh, the, uh, design rule number, uh, 526, uh, either, when you're matching a material, either hit it right on the head or miss it by a mile. Both are acceptable, but close always looks like a mistake. Always. It'll just scream okay. out. So, so uh, first of all, get it right on the head. Uh, secondly, uh, so you're in the Southern California area? Uh, San Bernardino. San Bernardino. Okay, so there's a little bit of a drive, but you, you might want to call Arto, A-R-T-O, Arto Tile. Uh, they're the only guys that come to mind right now. Uh, the guys at Ardo can make just about any conceivable tile and pattern. Now, I don't know if it means that they can match yours exactly, but you know what? If they can't do it, they would be able to direct you to the people who do. Uh, not a sponsor okay. of the show, but Ardo Tile, great company. They're uh, kind of in the South L.A. area. Uh, they might be officially Torrance or Inglewood area. I think they might be in Inglewood. Anyway, A-R-T-O, you can find them online. Uh, they are a custom okay. tile manufacturer, and they do a great job of uh, of matching all sorts of stuff. They've created some specialty tiles for me just out of drawings that I have created for them. So that lets you know right there that there's a good chance of that happening. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure what to tell you, but again... Either hit it right on the head or miss it by a mile. That's the way it's got to go. Really, really interesting and good question, Roy, and good luck with your floor. All right, let's talk to Sarah. Sarah, welcome home. Hi. Hi, Jean. How are you? Good, good. Good. I have a problem. I don't think you'll be able to solve it. Then why did you call me? I Because I'm going out of my mind. Okay, that's fine. Um... I live in a single-family house. My house backs up to a condominium. The con uh, my house is on a slight downgrade, 
and this condominium has uh, one apartment that is sort of below level, and then a second level to that to that same apartment. It's like a duplex is at my level or a little higher. Okay. No, actually a little lower. Um, for 18 years, I had a wonderful people living there, more than one. Now I have a new person that has moved in, and uh, she's young, so it's a generational problem, I believe. I'm a traditionalist. She is a person that likes to scream with ideas. Um, that's another reason I don't think you can help me because you're an aesthetic person. She's an aesthetic person, a really overboard aesthetic person. And she has these lights. She has, and there was a fence there that separated the property. Uh, this week she added some, uh, like, skimmer boards because it was a lattice work fence where light would come through. Now she puts skimmer boards across the whole thing in a lighter color. Okay. So wh- what's the what's the issue? Are you being bugged? The issue is the lights. The lights. Her lights from yes, her, her what place. She does, well, she, a lot of young people put up these string lights. I'm sure you're very familiar with You may even have it on your own property. Oh, Those, thanks. Do I sound that young? Uh, yes, you sound like you're an aesthetic person, and she's an aesthetic person. Okay, so she's got lights, uh, and they are, are they bugging you in the middle of the night? Uh, Not only I've been up all night. Oh. Uh, it goes on at 6 uh, in the afternoon, and it is still on now. She's now added some other lights now to the upper level, which is more eye level to me, they're round, decorative kind of thing, like uh, snowballs, but very large. Okay. What are the chances? You're, you you may be right. I might, do, might not be able to help you with this. What are the chances, uh, if this is really a problem, that you could invest in some uh, hedges uh, for your for your side of the property line? That well, the hedges won't go up fast enough because that part of my property line is in the lower level. I'm seeing them from the top le- top level from my house. I see. All right. So, so in other words, a uh, an 18 foot hedge isn't going to solve the problem. I um, I wouldn't live here long enough to see an 18 foot hedge. Okay, not necessarily true, though, my love, because. Now, this, this of course, has to do with, you know, whether you can make the investment or not. But, you know, we don't have to wait for those things to grow. There are nurseries out there. Let's say, uh, like, uh, for instance, uh, Moon Valley Nurseries. That's w- one nursery that actually kind of specializes in selling uh-huh. fully mature hedge materials so that you could actually go down there and uh, walk away with uh, a set of hedges, like a row. And I'm assuming it doesn't have to be hundreds of feet long. It could just be maybe a, a 20 or 30-foot section. You- yeah, I have, uh, with her, I have about a 20, 25-foot section. Okay, but okay. the next one is also another young person, but she shuts off the lights at a decent hour. Okay, so here's my suggestion. Then, then this is about the only thing They're that... Very that would be a very expensive It topic. is expensive. It is expensive. You're right. So you either spend less money and give it time to grow or but if you mm-hmm. if you absolutely needed it to go away overnight. I'm just saying it's possible uh it would just take a fully mature hedge to be planted in and a 20 foot section that would probably be uh five uh, or six of those uh plants all planted at once. But you know what? You should probably just make a call and find out how expensive it's going to be. Either that or uh, do your best to go over, uh, you know, bake her a cake, uh, bring her some cookies and say, here's my situation. Uh, Is there any way that uh, the two of us could come to an agreement? Uh, I don't want to ruin your aesthetic and I don't want to rain on your parade, but the lights are bugging me and you never know. You just never know. Sarah, I hope uh, for you the best, but the best that I can suggest is possibly putting in a fully mature hedge for just the area that blocks the light if the two of you can't come to terms on it. All right. Good call. You're listening to Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. 
Spotify. Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Welcome home. Here with you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8. Sundays from 9 to 11. Where you can just settle in. Hear some goofiness, some nerdiness. Get some really good design advice for your house. Some building advice for your house. We got it all. We got news. We got Tina. We got all sorts of good stuff every Saturday and Sunday morning. Now, uh, we've been talking about uh, breaking with convention in regards to your home. The official title of our show is Says Who? And you have to say it like that. Says Who? Who said you have to do it that way? Not me. Dean is giving you permission to break with convention. Let's uh, throw one more in there before we're done this morning. Handle on the law coming up next. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, hey, uh, let's talk about decks, okay? Decking outside your house. Uh, thinking about building one, okay? Now, this is not advice to people who already have it because, you know, you already have it. But if you're considering building some decking, I'm going to break with some convention because here's what you're going to hear. Like, oh, you're going to build a deck. Oh, you're going to use, you're going to have to use some treks or uh, some of that uh, plastic stuff. Or you're going to have to use redwood or cedar. Or if you're really serious, uh, you're going to use, you know, some exotic uh, tropical hardwood like an ipe or a mangarist or a yellow balau or whatever. All of which that I just mentioned, uh, expensive, very expensive. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into why I don't like plastic decks uh, and treks and composite decks, but I don't, and uh, so we'll leave that for another day. But my point today is, what about good old-fashioned Douglas fir? Standard grade, wet, not kiln-dried, just wet uh, Douglas fir coming off of the uh, piles of lumber at your local lumber yard or your Home Depot or your Lowe's or wherever you buy your lumber. You're like, wait a second, Dean. You can't build a deck and expect it to last if you build it out of something like Douglas fir. Strange thing that, you know, about 80% of the decks back east that are built uh, and out of wood and then painted. Uh, there's some form of fir or pine. They're not an exotic hardwood. They're not a super expensive thing. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we live in a very small house, uh, Tina and I, and uh, we built an 800-square-foot deck off the backside of our home. If I had built that out of the next grade of lumber up, like a redwood or a cedar, it would have cost me about $15,000 more than what I paid, which was $3,000 for that 800 square foot deck. Now, I did the labor myself, so I'm talking about materials. Douglas fir, the state of deck sealants have come so far, so far, that uh, you can use a wood like Douglas fir and uh, not worry about it rotting away. I built that deck uh, over 10 years ago. It's in perfect condition, and it will be for decades to come. It's not about, when it comes to wood, it's not about the wood getting wet. It's about wood staying wet. And so if you build the deck right so it can drain away and dry out after a rain, there's no reason why you can't use a less expensive and, by the way, harder wood than something like redwood or cedar. Speaking of... No, I was going to say, speaking of harder woods, Bill Handel! Uh, Your mic is not on. Turn your mic on and say hello hello to Southern California. Hello, Southern California. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm a little tired. Didn't sleep yeah. all that well, but it's okay. We're all feeling it a little bit this morning. Uh, yeah, I think so. I was driving in listening to the show and uh, thinking, how many coronavirus calls am I going to get this morning? You're going to get plenty. I know. And you had to warn people uh, as uh, against uh, the coronavirus calls. And I don't even know. I have to talk to the screener and uh, ask uh, your screener how many calls uh, did, did they have to did is it a she? Is Morgan screening for you? Yeah, Morgan okay. was screening. I think Alex is in here for you Yeah, today. Alex is in for me, uh, my producer, because we're sort of switching things around a little bit. And uh, so I have to ask her how many coronavirus calls that she had to, that did she have to blow off yeah. and go, this is a home show. So I get but, to... 
People say, yeah, I know, but I really would like Dean to address this. So the point is, it's happening every 15 yeah. minutes. Well, Updates from the newsroom. That's room. true. And I'll tell you, if, if, if anybody says, I want to talk about coronavirus, they say, Dean's talking about it. Here's his cell phone. You call there him. There you go. Just have him call me. Just forward that call. I will. Uh, all right, everybody. It's been good being with you this morning. I will be back with part two of Breaking With Conventions in Your Home tomorrow from 9 to 11. Coming up next, this gentleman right here, Bill Handel, Handle on the Law. Everybody, get out there. Build yourself a beautiful life. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.